think about a couple of things that you do inside the residential. It's going to be around how do we empower homeowners to better use their electricity. The time is going to come when there is no longer this flat rate structure going into the home. There's going to be time of day rates coming in. If you look at electric vehicle charging, and we'll talk in smart cities about Pecan Street and specifically what the learnings are. But our vision is how do we bring together uh, systems that are able to respond to either variable pricing, so it's not around utility control per se, uh, but at the same time, if utility has a demand response program, we want to be able to empower and engage that as well. But part of this is putting tools and systems in place, and you know we've got a wise wrap I can show you on the phone today of where thermostat control, lighting control, we're going to build in next with our electric vehicle charging. Solar will continue to be part of that. And the intent is the homeowner is becoming much more empowered around how do I want to manage electricity, how do I want to change what I'm doing over time, as well as then being able to respond to events. If you think about where we see this going, and a question a minute ago about go-to-market and how do we see that playing out, there's going to be a lot of different ways we also see this playing out. There's going to be converged services in the home. Right? Think about how this is going to be offered in. Uh, sometimes, yes, a customer may say, I want to go in and just fund and do that investment. Other times it could be opting in as part of a utility company's <coughs> response program, or it could be converged service with entertainment or telecommunications as well. So will we see products on the shelves of the Home Depot or anything like that, or Schneider? There will be offers today that we absolutely have some plans of testing that vehicle. I think the challenge that we always face when you think of the different channels to select when you bring new markets forward is looking at how the customer best wants to buy. Does a customer want to buy and have an outlay of an expense, or would they rather say, okay, add on to my bill for $5 a month right as you go through. So we can see it as a service over time or an upfront expense. So there would be, I think, multiple models to forward. Will you be taking some type of equity approach or control approach on these large utility projects because of the fact that there are very few of your size and if you look at how they're progressing in the next 10 years, <laughs> most of the larger solar or solar related groups are either bankrupt or, or going out of business so there will be very few in the next 10 year period and with your size and your capabilities and the services that you offer, you would encompass many of the services that are included in the solar operation. Yeah. yeah, I mean the solar business for us is um, classified in a couple categories. First one is product. So we have a, you know, we have solar inverters that we sell for homes. So we have single phase, three phase inverters we sell for large utility scale plants. And today we have a, let's say, growing business in our product category. It feels like in solar more businesses are getting out than are coming in. I mean Siemens just announced they're getting out. You kind of have businesses that are kind of going bankrupt. They're getting out of solar. We're, so we're, we're kind of putting, we're putting a beachhead and we're saying we want to be very protective and make sure we make money, first of all. And when we go into EPC, engineering, procurement, contracting, our fear is that what the solar panel guarantees are really tough because we've got you know, issues in solar panels today in the industry. And that's, you know, customer, a lot of customers are looking for the guarantee tied to the system and our issues on the panel. But I don't think the panel technology there is yet to the point where we can go 20 plus years where the customers are wanting us. So we have, what happens, you put so much risk and liability when you do those large scale projects and you hang your hat on the guarantee of a panel that's made by someone else. So we're, we're really kind of saying, look, we offer, number one, we offer a great product. 
Number two, we offer engineering services that actually do grid tie connections of the solar equipment onto the grid. We think we have a, we're very strong there. Number three, we have a we can do a s equipment packages between kind of what I would say a, a house substation. We can bring equipment into project. You know, we have an eye on what that could be down the road. Dan, your question to become that. We are we're saying today we're kind of stopping with those three parts. And we really we're look we we partner more than we kind of want to become the main. I would say turnkey provider for utility scale power. If you consider though that you know, solar is becoming grid parity. Yes. Um, and with grid parity and the, uh, the process in which we're going to get there, uh, and with third-party insurance groups that most projects have uh, accompanying the project, <coughs> you eliminate a lot of the weaker companies and their going to be a handful, 10 or 12, like yourself, yeah. that operate at that level. And um, it sure seems lucrative in the markets that you're in. And th those are the uh, largest growing markets right now, the India, the China, and uh, South America, South Africa. <coughs> uh, yeah. So that it seems that it's going in the same direction as your business model in many ways. I think that what the key there is that, you know, if we can really get our arms around the limiting the guarantee, Dan and kind of making sure the industry starts driving in the right direction because I think it's a bad behavior. I think it's just tossing the, the obligation onto someone else and hey, you're big, so take it on your balance sheet. And I think <coughs> the industry to really take off grid parity is great. I mean, how many states now? You probably know how many are at grid parity. I mean, every day we're kind of adding more and more states on the grid parity. I think for us, it is the issue of that 20-year commitment. Look, we really want to make sure that more five-year range is about right. If we can get the industry there and reshape the industry to go to less of a longer-term guarantee, we probably become one of those main players. I, I think you find very little uh, installations that actually have panels installed yeah. that make it past 10 years right. because most people are changing with technology. Right. Uh, we don't know of any that we've installed that have ever made it past 10 because technology keeps changing. Yeah, and then when you get into what happens, you either got to take a heavy insurance contract out on the panels, or you actually have to factor in every eight to ten years, you're just going to replace them anyway. And so it really drives up the cost of the project, and it's hard to be competitive today when it's in that environment. So we we're trying to shift the landscape. Let's get the let's get the demand much higher than what it is today. Really creating that what Jim's accountable for, driving the renewable portfolio centers across every state. As they look at Jim, don't put your head in your hand, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> so that's step one to really drive the demand. And then those three categories we're playing today. We have an eye on the fourth, but the industry's got to be shaped before we become very active there. We're suddenly in an era where we've got abundant supplies of energy and they're relatively cheap. Does that remove the incentive to pursue some of these energy management and energy efficiency goals? So a very good question around shale gas. When we talk about how much of an impact having on energy management and is it impacting incentives and rebates. I know Jim's just dying to get on this mic. <laughs> I will give my uh, perspective on that. Um, so first of all, it certainly is putting pressure. I think the pressure on shale gas is putting more on renewables than anything else. I think companies are saying, you know, I can get much cheaper supply of shale gas and, and I'll defer doing a renewables project. So I think that's the number one impact right now in the industry in terms of shale gas production. Number two, the rates necessarily have not 
dropped off is we is we have a procurement arm and it really looks from state to state. We have an eye on what's what's happening, specifically how does shale gas impact our rates. And we're seeing maybe a slight drop, but what we're saying is that when it actually goes into exportation, that actually there's going to be so much demand there, the rates will continue to climb. So we're, you know, we have a temporary lapse where the rates have dropped, and it's you know less than 10 percent. Now I think we're saying, look, there's going to be a lot of demand on export. The rates will go up. I think what our position is, we're trying to really use shale gas as a means to convert our supply source. So we should be moving away from coal and going on to gas as a means of part of the generation, the supply fuel, um, and really kind of harvesting shale gas to go to that. And, and by the way, when you do that, it has a significant reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. 